Who we have in the chat, boys? <laughs> Dr. Awesome, David, Sam, Mike, early crew. Thank you guys for being here. Yeah, pumped to have you with us. I feel like this, we will slowly become the, the dominant, the apex predator of the Twitter space uh, environment. I'm confident in that. Yes, sir. Starting early. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Man vs. World. And, uh, well, we got some big stuff to cover today. I'm very excited for today's show. Um, it's been a little while since we've done one of these because we've been feverishly preparing for uh, a big launch that we've got going on. But uh, we'll talk about that in a second. We are joined today by uh, my co-host, Pete, as always. Pete, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing pretty swell. I'm doing pretty good. And we also have our live Twitter audience here as well, which is uh, exciting. For those of you who are watching this after the fact of recording, um, you can follow me on Twitter, at Mark Weppet, if you want to join the show live. Hopefully, we'll be able to, to get some guys to, to call in, make it kind of like a radio show. I think that would be pretty fun to build out. So, um, yeah. So, let's let's get into this today. All right. First thing. You know, I got I got to plug the stuff. All right. Big thing that came out is got a brand new training containing the three secrets for quitting porn. And I know that's kind of like a generic sort of like marketing tagline or whatever. But really, like what I did is I sat down and I thought about like, all right, what are if I could only teach people three things and I wanted them to help, you know, I wanted to help them quit porn, which, you know, I, I, I do because porn is absolutely screwing guys up in the most horrible ways. It's destroying people's motivation, their sex drives, their uh, ability to focus, their relationships, all this kind of stuff. It is the scourge of the modern man. And so I'm like, all right, how can I help these guys quit? Boom. You want to see that? Check out the, the link in my profile or the link in the description of whatever the heck you're watching right now, and you can check it out. Um, I think you'll really dig it. And then on top of this, along with this new training, we are launching a brand new cohort uh, for my Reforged Man course, but there's some special upgrades to it. We're calling it Reforged Man Gold. And the whole idea behind it was like, all right, I've got the best porn recovery program on the planet. And I'm not a I'm not a braggart, guys, but I just know it to be the truth because uh, no one else has been in this game as long as me or has put as much effort or as time into really working with guys and figuring out how to help them get legit results. And so I've got the program, Reforged Man. I've had that for a while now. But it, like the problem was like guys would buy it and they wouldn't really get all the way through it or they wouldn't really do all the work. And so the gold version is basically a way that will, like I was trying to figure out how can I get you to flip the switch in your brain that takes quitting porn from optional to must do. Okay. And that's what I think we did with the gold version. We added like all kinds of different levels of accountability, how to, you know, keep you guys plugged in, uh, added a bunch of guarantees to it. So it's like, you know, if you do the work and you don't quit porn, well, guess what? I will give you your money back. That's how confident I am in this thing. And, uh, put a lot of effort into putting this together. So please check out the, the link in my profile. If you are interested in quitting porn, and even if you don't want to sign up for the gold program, at least check out the three secrets, man, because they are, they themselves are gold. So, uh, yeah. Anything else I want to say about that, Pete? I don't think so. I'm super stoked for that. It's going to be, I don't know if anyone's ever done that before. I mean, surrounding this particular issue. And so this is going to be, you know, this is the definitive answer to guys who really want to get rid of this thing. 
yeah, that's that was the hope. You know, that's what we're trying to do. So um, anyway, on to the main portion of this program today. I want to be talking about unfucking your masculine drive because this is this is the heart of everything, right? Like people like it's fun to talk conspiratorially. All right. And uh, if you're a spiritual person, I, I would say that's not even conspiracy, right? Like if you're if you're a person of traditional faith, you believe that there is an evil force out in the world that wants to, you know, destroy all human life and everything and then hates humanity and all this kind of stuff, right? But even if you don't believe in that, you can see that things are not going well today. And one of the big things is because, you know, guys have all these poisons, they got all these distractions, they got all these things pulling them down. But at the heart of it, like, I think the main thing, the big negative result is that guys drive gets screwed up. Their drive to succeed in life, you know, be excellent, do amazing things, that gets shot to shit, really. And I think so many guys are, are stuck in this today. They're just completely unable to set themselves on fire, to just go after their goals and to do incredible things. So I want to talk about what I think are the, the three biggest things that are blocking guys and how to start getting around it. Um, so what do you think? Pete, you, anything you want to say on that before we jump into the first point? No, let's let's dive right in here. All right. And guys uh, who are listening on Twitter, go ahead and drop any questions or comments or whatever. Um, and we'll make sure we respond to them as as we go. So first big issue that is screwing guys up today, you can sum it up pretty simply. It's effeminacy. All right. Being effeminate. All right. What does that mean? It means that guys today are way too freaking soft. All right. Like as if you're a man, okay, and assume you just even have mediocre health, you've got tremendous amounts of testosterone coursing through your veins. And that testosterone has been scientifically proven <laughs> to be this super chemical that will allow you to thrive and challenge. And in fact, even love challenge, love doing hard things, hard and painful things. But the problem is that the modern man leaves this like power today almost entirely untapped. All right. And the way that this amounts to like the, the, the big thing that this really does to guys is it makes them unwilling to take a hit. All right. If you want to do anything meaningful in your life, if you want to do anything of significance, you're going to take some hits. All right. And guess what? They're going to hurt. All right. They're not. It's not going to feel good. OK. But if you learn how to tap into your masculinity, you learn how to face pain. OK. Well, then it doesn't need to stop you. But guys aren't. Right. They're not at all. And this is something where it's like I've been working with guys for 10 years now. All right. And a lot of times they'll get into this noble process of, of improving their life. You know, they'll, they'll be like, all right, I'm going to get in shape. You know, maybe I'll quit porn. I'm going to become more productive. You know, I'm going to be starting to talk people, get more socialization in that kind of stuff. And as soon as they start facing some resistance, as soon as they start mm -hmm. facing some pushback, as soon as they start finding some challenges, they just roll over and they quit because they can't take a hit. They're not used to it, right? And it's that's not going to get you anywhere. And so you have to learn how to take a hit, all right? And this means that you got to change your relationship with pain. You got to you got to instead of making it be this thing where as soon as things get painful, I run away. It's got to be this thing where, all right, as soon as things get painful, I see this as a fucking opportunity because the way that you are wired as a man, all right, is if you lean into pain, guess what happens? A little, a little flip or a little, a little switch gets flipped in your brain 
and you can go into fight mode, all right? The default is flight mode, because if you think about it from an evolutionary perspective, it makes more sense to run away, right? It makes more sense if you're that hunter-gatherer out in the jungle, and you come across like some other kind of, you know, thing, let's say like a tiger or a bear or something like that, makes sense to run. It doesn't make sense to go into fight mode first thing, because, you know, if you, you screw up the fight, you're going to die, and then you're not going to be able to reproduce, you're not going to live, you know, none of that stuff. So it makes sense that we default to running away. But in the modern world, you don't need to fucking run away. There's nothing that you really need to be scared of. Like if you live in a developed country, you're not even going to starve if, even if you become a complete and total degenerate. All right. The government will literally pay you to sit on yep. a corner and get high if you want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like you don't, you don't need to really worry. So there is no reason for you to not be going all in on fight mode. And a lot of times you're just not going to be able to do that until you get hit. Like I, I tweeted this out the other day where it's like, I, I think a lot of, in a lot of ways, like your success in life is limited by the size of your failures, right? Because if you're not aiming big, then you are not going to fail big. Bottom line, right? You're not going to, fu- you're, you're, if you aim big, you will fail big at certain points. You look at any of the major successes. You look at like Elon Musk. You look at uh, Steve Jobs. You look at literally anyone who has a company that's worth over a million dollars. They almost always have some serious struggles and stuff that they had to overcome. You know, many of the, the ri- most of the richest people have lost their money, you know, more times than you've ever actually even made any. And I, I, I say this to myself, too, because it's so tempting to run away. And our modern society really, really enables this stuff, okay? And it's, <laughs> it's kind of like this, all right? You got the modern man, and he really what he is is just like a big baby, right? Instead of sacking up when he faces challenge and discomfort, what's he do? He runs away to porn. Porn and video games and Netflix and you know, watching other people live on the front lines of life. And this is unacceptable. You can't, you can't live this way and expect to get anywhere. It's like the, the guy who's turning toward porn, it's like he's reaching for his mama's titty, but only it's just this you know toxic STD laden, laden boob of some kind of like harlot online. <laughs> And you have to stop going to that for comfort. You got to go inside. You got to find that pain. You got to flip that switch. You follow me, Pete? Yeah, I'm following you. You know, I think it was, I I forget the exact number of times, but I I remember hearing the Costco founder went bankrupt, I think over half a dozen times before he did Costco. You look at any of these guys, they've all gone bankrupt. You know, uh, Russell Brunson, someone I like to, following stuff he he basically had to fire all his friends and family he had like a hundred employees working for him he had to fire everybody and it wasn't even because they weren't making money is because they had a cash flow problem they had all their money tied up in you know basically these accounts that were not giving it to them because they thought they were scamming it was it was such a mess but he kept going yeah and this is this is going to be ubiquitous all right you're going to face resistance and being a man like the scientific definition, at least in my book, of being a man is when things get hard, you get harder. That's it. And yeah. you can. You can. It starts with believing that. 
okay? And it starts with changing your relationship to pain and saying, all right, this pain isn't necessarily a sign that I'm beat. doesn't mean that I'm going in the wrong direction. And with a lot of things, particularly in the pursuit of your dreams, if you're not running into pain, you should be a little wary, right? Like, I don't know about you, but like when things are going almost like too good and I'm like crushing it toward the goals that I, I want the most, and I get a little nervous. I'm like, wait a second, what's what's lurking here? <laughs> because if there is yeah. no tension, if there is nothing pushing back on you, then chances are you're falling into some kind of trap, right? This is this is what like all the escapism and stuff. That's what it's built upon. It's built upon this infinite dopamine roller coaster up. At least that's what it seems like on the surface. And there's no resistance because it's all so easy. It just goes down so smooth. But anything meaningful, anything of value, it's going to fucking hurt. Okay? And so lean into that because that's power, baby. That's the key to unlock your neurobiology. That's the key to unlock your masculine fire. So, you know, I have this idea where it's like you want to aim for a perfect victory. Yes, of course you want to aim for a perfect victory. But you always got to be game for a bloody dogfight. And with that mentality... That's what's going to start getting you some motion. It starts in the mind. It starts with changing that perception around pain. And if you can do that, well, you can stop being so effeminate, and then you can really start making progress. But the question here is like, all right, how do we start doing this? Where should we suffer first? And I think probably you guys know where I'm going with this, but it's you got to cut out the escapism. All right, the escapism is the biggest fucking thing that is castrating you as a man. All right, because think about it like this we've got a limited amount of like neurochemical energy. You know, we're talking about dopamine, serotonin, endorphin, all these things that are associated with pleasure that help us overcome pain, all this kind of stuff. We've got a limited amount. But the problem is, so many guys today are just blowing all of that on someone else's story, right? So maybe they are just pretending to do something with video games. You know, you're you're pretending to go on an adventure with video games where it's just like, oh, I'm leveling up my character. It's like, yeah, you are, but you're not leveling up your life. <laughs> um, or they're like, even if you're not pretending to do it, it's like you're just watching someone else, right? You're watching someone else's story via sports, via politics, via some stupid TV show or whatever, okay? And I think the absolute worst one, it's got to be porn, okay? Because not you, you're, it's like taking the worst of both of those where it's like you are simulating success, but you're also kind of pretending to act it out. Like imagine if someone treated watching football the same way, like I'm talking American football, uh, if they treated it the same way that they treat porn, all right? Can you imagine like the guy who's like sitting down to put on the big game? He's got like a, a fake little football helmet on and pads. And then when the, he's like, all right, ready, sit, hike. He's like literally acting it out on the couch. He's like, go long. He throws it. Oh, and he like, he literally like spikes. He pretends to spike the football with his like, you know, the guy on the TV and does a little victory dance. How fucking pitiful would that be? Well, that's what you're doing with porn. And beyond just like what porn does by itself, okay, like you validating that process of make believe is telling your psyche that, hey, this is how we make progress. This is where we want our neurochemical battery to be going. And if you're doing that, what do you think is going to happen? 
Well, guess what? All your motivational feedback system is going to be tied into shit that has absolutely nothing to do with your life. And so if you want to get your motivation back, you want to get your fire back, then you have to make sure that your neurochemicals are plugged in predominantly into your story in in terms of improving your career, your fitness, your relationships, and crushing your goals. And if you don't do this, you're going to be flat. You're going to be flaccid. You're not going to have the fire. You're not going to have the drive. And then you're going to be sitting there like, like, Every single night, like I know this, this is the worst thing I hate. This is what I hated more than anything in my life was going to bed and just not even being able to think about myself because I was so ashamed of how I was using my time. It's just like, oh, I just wasted another fucking day. Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Oh, and it's just like, it's like I couldn't even stand to be present with myself because of what I was doing with my time and that guilt, right? That guilt of knowing that I was wasting my potential. And it sucks because you just get caught in this loop. You get caught in this thing where it's like you feel like you can't even help yourself because your your whole brain is working against you. It's been plugged into this system that's designed to get you behaving stupidly. You know, I like what you said the other day with uh, with regards to if the average guy thinks you're doing okay, you're probably doing something wrong because it does. It takes a dead fish to float downstream. If you're going downstream, you might, I mean it doesn't take any effort, you know? And I hate that feeling that you're talking about so much where you get to the end of the day and you feel just like you blew it. I hated that. I I hated that so much. I decided, you know what? I'm just going to start doing daily preemptives surrounding distractions in general. And I made a big old list of all the distractions I would, I I could observe myself falling into on a regular basis. And it's brutal because I have to reset that thing all the time. But I'm telling you, man, it's helping already. I'm already like, I'm already getting better at it. So it's so, it's so, it's so worth it. Yeah. It's, it, to if you want to start switching this, all right. Like P was talking about preemptives. Um, what the, what he's referring to is a preemptive Metascript journal entry. And I teach you in my new training. You can check it out by clicking the link in my description. Um, how to do this, all right. It's it's a way to simply pre-program your brain to make the right choices at the right times because changing your habits it's the thing it's, it's the same thing as changing anything right it takes practice but the problem is with habits most people don't really understand like that if you just leave it all up to that critical moment of decision that's like showing up to game day without actually having done any practice like imagine if you were on a sports team and you uh you know, it's like you just show up to game day, you know, did nothing for preseason and you try and, you know, win. All right. Chances are you're just not going to right? every single high performer, every single sports team in history. What do they do? They spend hundreds, if not thousands of hours of practicing before those critical times. And so the way you can you can literally do that in your journal every morning when you're fresh, before you're tired, before you're all pulled X, Y and Z way. All right. You can literally write down. All right. In this moment, I'm feeling I'm going to or sorry, it's like later today, I'm going to be tempted with the desire to use porn or to play video games or to do whatever else it is instead of doing what I really want to do. And you just got to pre-rehearse it. I'm going to tell myself this and I'm going to do that. Right. And you just write it all out. You write out what you're going to say to yourself internally and you write out practically what you're going to do. And as you do this, you know, you can then reflect on it and you can modify it. You can make sure that you're preemptively 
uh, bringing in all of the, the mindsets, all of the things you need to feed yourself to overcome your rationalizations, whatever it is, just pre-programming your brain like this will completely transform your ability to show up in these moments and cut the escapism. And if you want to hear more on that, on that make sure you check out my new uh, video on the three keys to quitting uh, porn. Uh, even if you're not interested in quitting porn, because it really applies to everything. Like if I can, if I can get you to quit porn, then I can get you to do anything. So you know, it really applies to all habit change. So <clears throat> the the next big piece of this is like, all right, I realize I got a lot of escapism. How am I going to get rid of it? How am I going to actually modify this this pattern? Well, the the preempt is a big piece, but then you need focus. All right, you can't change it all at once. There's no way you can change it all at once. You need to focus on the biggest, baddest thing that's sucking down all your energy, and you got to eliminate that first. For the average guy, I do think that's porn in general, um, but maybe it's not for you. You know, maybe it's internet surfing. Maybe it's um, you know looking up car shit online. I know Pete, you're really into like what? Are, what are your little dopaminergic rabbit holes, Pete, that you get caught in? Man, it can be something really dumb. You know, it's it's mainly <clears throat> what I find is that YouTube knows me very well. You know, it's got it's got my number. And so, man, they can suggest some pretty enticing stuff. So I'm just cutting out like if I go on YouTube, if it's not for, you know, work directly. That's a no. And, and it, a lot of people would look at that and they'd say, oh, well, that's come on. You got to enjoy a little bit. But no, I'm sorry. No, I don't have I, I don't want to be spending my time like that. Yeah, it's all contextual. I mean, for me, when I was quitting porn, I played a shit ton of video games. Is that good? I mean, it's better than using porn. <laughs> and so right. go up, level up. And even these small, they they will see, seem small, especially if the rest of your life is not completely in order. Just shaving off these big things one at a time, they will make dramatic differences in your life because you can't do it all at once. It's impossible, all right? You're not going to be able to pull it off. Um, and so you have to be realistic about what you can truly do. So let me see. I think we got a, a question here from Dr. Awesome. He says, I'm in a phase where there's days where I feel like a superhero. I accomplish all my tasks, study, work out, business ideas, kill study. And then it, come, and then it comes a day where I feel like hell. I relapse usually and then go on a rut. I hit rock bottom. I get that, man. That's a lot of guys, they, they get the, the wind knocked out of their sails, right? And so this is, this is what I was getting at with this first point is like, yeah, you're going you're gonna to fail sometimes. You're going to take a hit. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to get knocked out. And so what can you do? Well, what I like to do is it's kind of a two-part thing. First is you want to access all that pain because that pain's power. Like I was saying, that's, that's the stuff that's going to allow you to un, like, unlock your fight mode. So... You're going to be pissed off if you really look at that. You're going to be, feel down on yourself if you really let yourself feel that disappointment, okay? Take it all in because that's that's all just energy for you. To, and when you take it all in, you got to remember, all right, I'm still worth this effort and I'm going to correct this problem. I'm going to see this pain head on and I'm going to use it to pull a U-turn and get my head out of the, the gutter here, Get my head, get my head back on straight. So it's like lean into the pain, change direction, and then it's just about picking some small things. Usually it's like, it doesn't take much to start building momentum. It might be something as simple as like, like for me sometimes, it's as simple as just come hell or high water, I'm going to get up early. And if I, if I put 
all my effort into just getting up early. I decide I'm going to do it. Even if I get like shit sleep, I force myself to get up early. And as soon as I do that, as soon as I, ma I make that one action that proves to me that I am back on track, then I can plan the next move. And then I can do it with confidence. I can know, hey, I just showed myself that I am serious right now. And I start believing it again. And then I can set the next goal. And I can, I can knock that down. I can be like, oh, hey, I got some momentum now. If you want, it really just takes two things. You get one good move and then you follow it up with another good move. And then your brain's like, okay, all right. We've not only stopped the bleeding, we've turned things around and now you have the basis for momentum. So I don't know, Pete, anything else you want to add to that? You know, I've been trying to wake up a lot earlier than uh, I'm, I'm accustomed to recently, which is why I've been going to bed at 7.30 like we were joking. But, uh, you know, one thing that's really helped me a lot is I fall into the trap of asking myself, what do I want to do? Instead of asking myself the question of what do I want to have done? And if I ask myself that question and think about what it feels like, you know, what's it going to feel like if I have done this thing? What's it going to feel like at the end of the day if I did this and this? What's it going to feel like if I actually do get up early and I get into that hot shower or whatever? And that gives me something to kind of sink my my desires into, you know, it gives my, gives my teeth something to sink into in, in terms of a heart desire as opposed to just a, a, a carnal desire, so to speak. You know what I mean? Totally. It's, it's interesting. One of the things that's been hitting me very, very strongly lately is that there's like, you know, I've talked about the two different kind of modes of motivation. It's like one's like a self-hating mode of motivation where you just try and bully yourself into like getting better or else you suck. Um, and the other is to say, hey, I'm better than this. And so I'm going to, you know, do this because I'm worth it. I think that there's like another layer to this too, where it plugs into like the fundamental like law of polarity. The law of polarity says, you know, whenever there's a push, you know, there's got to be a pull. Whenever there's always got to be kind of like this equal and opposite sort of reaction. And so it's like if you want to become incredibly dominant in your actions, okay, then what you, needs to happen on the internal level, like if you externally want to be dominant and like just crush things and just get it all done, then internally you have to be submissive to your higher mm -hmm. ideals. And so it's like, on one hand, there has to be like this fire to push and to get things done, but that is going to be limited to the extent to which you literally bow down and submit to your highest conception of goodness internally. And so this is where I like, I think it this, this concept, I think interfaces very well with traditional spirituality where it's like, all right, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to prostrate myself before, before the Lord. And if we look at this psychologically, it's basically like, all right, I'm going to bow down to my highest conception of goodness. I'm going to become a servant to my highest conception of goodness. And these kinds of concepts, they are typically at odds with masculinity because, you know, guys want to be, you know, the tough guy. They want to be the alpha. But the only way you can do that is if you are submissive to some higher ordering principle than your most immediate desires. Because if you don't have that, then it's going to be this this janky, like locked up thing inside of yourself where, you know, you're just going to be constantly trying to get whatever feels good in the moment. And so if, it's, if you're not going to be chasing momentary pleasure, what is going to be your ordering principle? I think it's got to be your highest conception of goodness. Absolutely. You know, you have no authority unless you are submitted under a higher authority. Some, you know, mad dog renegade running around on the streets that's cool. There's, I can understand the appeal there. But the problem with that is that 
you don't have any authority over anybody because you're not under authority from anyone. The soldier that came to, uh, you know, that, that famous story of where Jesus said, wow, I've never seen faith like this. Cause the soldier said, look, I'm a man under authority. And I say to the people under me, Hey, go do this, go do that. And they do it. So just speak the word because th that soldier recognized that Jesus was under a higher authority and therefore he had a power to speak and make something happen. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta have value for what you want. God's not going to give you something that you don't value. If you don't value authority, then why would you have it? Exactly. Right. And even if you don't believe in God, like you must have some kind of conception of what is good. Like I, I ran a, right. a poll on Twitter. It wasn't like a huge poll or anything. Uh, I think I only had like you know, 30 or 40 people respond to it, but it was, I was asking like, how seriously do you pursue your, your highest conception of morality? And the, the options were not at all, moderate effort, and then all in. The, the one that got the most votes was, you know, people pursue their highest conception of, you know, moral perfection with moderate effort, okay? But then second place was actually the people who said they don't pursue it at all. <laughs> and that was, that was kind of troubling to me. It's like, what? Yeah. What are you doing then? You know, like th there's, there are a number of people out there who are consciously not even trying to be their best version of themselves. It's like, you're signing up to live in hell. That's what you're doing. You're signing up to live in hell and then it makes sense why you might struggle with escapism then because, you know, if you're living in hell, then of course you're going you're gonna to jump at any opportunity to get some pleasure and some relief. So, yeah, it's, uh, you got to find something to submit to and, you know, your highest conception of goodness, I think that's about as good of a place to start as any. What do you think keeps people from doing that? Is it a, is it a pride issue? What, what do you think it comes down to? I think in some ways it's just not knowing to do it, like not not mm. understanding just the way to think, because, you know, it for me, this idea of submitting to your highest conception of goodness, it's something that I've, I've thought of before, but it pops in and out of my mind. And then as soon as you lose that, because that's easy, submission is a release, it's a surrender, it's a low willpower activity. And we think that changing your life has to be this hard, grit your teeth, forceful sort of thing. And that's only if you like are coming at motive, like, like self-discipline from this self-hating sort of way, right? If you're coming at it from a, a, a position of trying to legitimately love yourself, then what you're doing is you're just submitting to giving yourself the best gift you can. And you got to be thinking like, all right, well, what do I stand to gain? Like I loved your, your point about like, focusing on what will I be, what do I want to be, well, how'd you say it? it's like, what do I want to have done rather than what do right. I want to do, right? So it's like you're putting it in a bigger context. You're putting it in a bigger story. And that bigger story is your life, right? Like if you're just looking at life as like, well, what do I want to do? That's a, a question that in a lot of ways, it's, it's framed so that you only care about the moment. You only care about how you feel right now. Because what you want to do, it's a momentary fleeting thing. But as soon as you put it in the framework of, well, what do I want to have done? That forces you to expand the timeline. And that timeline, that's where your story comes from. That's where the adventure of your life comes from. And so if you start thinking in that framework, you're going to be, you're going to find, oh, well, that gives me an idea of what I want to have done. That gives me some kind of orientation and then just surrender to it. 
Surrender to it. Bow down and worship that. Because as far as I can tell, you pursuing your highest conception of goodness is you like tapping into the Holy Spirit, tapping into the will of God. You know, God wants you to do the things in your life that you want to do the most if you really dig down into your desires deep. And so it's like, this is a, a, a spiritual thing as much as it is a, a practical and neurochemical thing. 100%. So, all right. First thing we were talking about, effeminacy. Second thing we were talking about, got to cut the escapism. And then the final big piece here, I think, to unfucking your masculine drive is to kill this habit of half trying, all right? Half trying is it's the death knell for every man. And I think so many guys are just stuck here. Like that's that's what my, my Twitter poll was pointing out. A lot of guys are moderately pursuing, you know, their own sense of moral perfection and stuff like that. What's the the quote from uh, Revelation? It's like, what is it? What God says? As it is, since you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you from my mouth. All right? Like that's <laughs> that's pretty, pretty intense, right? Yeah. And... What he's saying here is that, like, there's nothing more repulsive to God. And to God, you could take it as reality, take it as, you know, if you're looking at it, spirituality as this utilitarian thing or whatever. It's saying that this half-trying mentality, where you're just caught in the middle, you're just tepid, is that's going to kill you. That's going to make it so that nothing, God never favors what you do, okay? And so half-trying is when you are the kind of guy who is, spending some energy in pursuing good things, but not enough to really move the needle and make something significant happen, okay? Uh, it's also when you let yourself feel guilty over the fact that you are not really kicking butt in life. You know, you feel guilty enough to let yourself know, like, oh, I still got a conscience. I'm still a good guy. I still want to do good, right? But you don't let yourself feel guilty enough so that you actually change, and that's that's where the magic really is, is like when you go all in and you get serious enough. Yeah, you know, um, something that's been keeping me from doing this and uh, something I've been battling with a lot recently, I think the reason why half-trying is so appealing is because we all have these past disappointments that we've been unknowingly holding on to. And so because of that, we're scared of disappointment in the future. And therefore, we give ourselves an excuse for why the thing didn't work. Because if you're going full bore and you are all in and you fail, you really failed. But if you're only kind of dabbling, there's, oh, well, if I had like really tried, it would have worked. And so, and I guarantee you, every guy, if, if every guy listening to this, either now live or in the future, they're the kind of guy who tries stuff. So I can guarantee everybody who's listening to this right now, You've tried something and it hasn't worked out. Don't let that stop you from pursuing something full bore in the future because half trying, it's not going to get you anywhere. Right. And so how do you stop half trying? Because so many guys, they feel locked in this. And uh, I'm going to tell you the secret and you're not going to be happy about it uh, because <laughs> I wasn't happy about this when I had to like confront this in myself. Uh, and it's that follow through. That's you can buy that. You can just straight buy it. Mm -hmm. And it's all relative because there's always a point of investment. There is always a point of effort, of commitment, of putting yourself on the line, of stakes that you can take on that makes it so that it is impossible for you to ignore your goals. You can literally just, just buy it. 
Okay, like just put the money down, put the uh, you know the skin in the game, whatever it is. You know, it's hire a coach or whatever. Uh, maybe it's you know signing up for something. Maybe it's uh, you know promising to do something and knowing that there would be you know huge backlash against you if you don't follow through. You can always do that. All right. And for guys who are looking for a way to do this, like uh, this is one of the things I, I tried to tried to create with this new Reforged Man Gold program. It's like, all right, here's a here's a button. You just click this button and guess what? Now you're in. Now you've invested. Now you've got yourself on the line. And with the way that we're setting it up, like there's accountability in there. We'll kick you out if you don't actually do the work. It's all reasonable. You get, you know, we got like a three strike thing where it's like if you don't do the work, three weeks in a row, well, then you get kicked out and you don't get your refund, all right? And if you do do the work <laughs> and you don't get the result you're looking for, like getting clean from porn, well, we'll refund your money because we want skin in the game too. It's like, we're promising a result if you promise the effort. And so like figuring out ways in which you can do that, figuring out ways in which you can put yourself on the line will kick you out of half trying because the most guys, it's, it's, an esoteric endeavor of immense um, cost to learn how to become massively self-motivating, okay? That's a challenging thing to do. You gotta really understand psychology, you gotta really understand mindset, self-talk, goal setting, all this other kind of shit, okay? But there's way easier ways to do it. It's just, you know, figure out how you can get someone else looking over your shoulder. Figure out how you can make it so that it's so painful for you to fail that you're not even gonna consider it. Okay, so these are all things that you can do. Like, I'm not telling anyone to do something stupid either. Like, I'm not telling you to put yourself in some stupid financial situation or anything. But there's a certain point where you gotta figure out if if you need to get more hardcore to get results. Like the the famous story of Hernan Cortez, right? The the Spaniard who who conquered Mexico and the Aztecs. What did he do with his like 600 men when he landed there? He burnt all the boats. And so at that point, it was like, shit, either we conquer all these crazy Aztec guys or we're all going to die. <laughs> and yeah. guess what? They did it. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's got to be something that extreme, but if you leave yourself a back door, you're going to use it. You're going to use it. So the the, the point is, if you want to get out of half trying, you want to start kicking ass, then you got to learn how to close those back doors. You got to figure out how to go all in. And guess what? You're going to feel alive. You're going to feel 10 times happier. You're going to feel 10 times more motivated and fulfilled when you go to bed at night because you know that you're playing your game, your life, your adventure all out. 100%. You know, I love the, uh, the three strike system. Can you explain that a little more? I think it's absolutely genius. Yeah. So with the, the Reforged Man thing, it's like what we've seen repeatedly is like, all right, the guy's got to do the exercises. They need to do the journaling. And the journaling at minimum takes like five minutes a day, you know, doing like the, the mental pre-programming stuff that I was talking about earlier. Um, if you do that, you spend five minutes a day doing that and then you work through the course and you do the exercises, you're pretty much going to quit. Okay. Um, and so the way we have the three strike system is if you uh, – like you can miss up to one day a week with no penalty. But if you miss two days of the journaling, okay, then you're going to get a strike. And so if you go three weeks where you're just like really slacking on this core fucking five minute activity, 
then we're going to kick you out of the gold program because you're clearly not serious. Like any guy who really wants to make something happen, he can do five minutes, especially with this kind of accountability on it. Like I'm doing like literal video check-ins Monday through Friday where I'm like looking with guys, you know, seeing their streaks, answering their questions, all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to be right there holding your hand and hell, we're even running like special sessions for guys who are too busy to work through the courses um, to like get all the content because I get it. People are busy and everything like that. So it's like, I tried to make it as simple as possible while also adding that, you know, extra accountability layer um, to make sure guys actually follow through and do stuff. Because, you know, <laughs> the the thing that inspired this actually was um, back when I was in high school, I was on a basketball team and my coach was absolutely crazy. He uh, <laughs> he would like 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 we would throw up many practices. Uh, he would just like run us and scream at us. Um, and I remember like there was actually like one point where I started getting nightmares from these practices because they were so rough. Like I remember I had a nightmare where it's like I was just sitting in history class and I like raised my hand to like answer a question. I got it wrong. And then my coach, he kicks open the door and screams at me. He's like, that's it. Underneath the basket. 19 seconds. And 19 <laughs> seconds, for those of you who don't know, that's a pretty fast suicide that you have to run uh, because that's what he would do. It's like as soon as we would screw something up, he'd just blow his whistle, scream at us to get underneath the basket and tell us how many seconds we had to complete the, the suicide. And if we didn't do it in time, then he would make us do another one. Um, and he would like make us do these drills where like he would just throw a ball like out into the center of the court and you'd have two guys opposing each other and we'd have to just dive and wrestle over the ball. Like I still got like a scar right here <laughs> on my chin because I split my chin open Ooh. doing this thing. Anyway, the point about all this was that like that was like all so hard, but I never missed a practice, you know, unless I was like seriously sick or getting stitches in my chin or something like that. Um, and I was like, like later in life, I was like sitting there thinking like, well, how the hell did I get myself to show up and do all this hard stuff? Like I didn't even question not going. But then I can't even get myself to do the most basic shit that I want to do, like respond to emails and clients and, you know, create the content that help me build my business is because there wasn't that built in accountability. And so I was just really trying to build that out in a way that was, you know, significantly more reasonable, but hopefully still flipping that switch where it's like, OK, this this progress here is no longer uh, an option. It's it's mandatory. Mm -hmm. So. That's pretty much what we got here today for the uh, for this part of the show where, you know, talking about fixing your masculine drive. If anyone's got any questions, go ahead and, and raise your hand. I would love to, to chat with you and uh, help you out with anything along this uh, if you want to come on. Yeah, while we wait for people to uh, raise their hands, uh, what do you think about this Liver King thing? I got to ask. <laughs> yeah, so have you guys seen this? Uh, the Liver King. We've talked about him a number of times on the show. Uh, it just came out today. Uh, I was looking at the the More Plates, More Dates uh, YouTube channel. And apparently there's been a bunch of emails that have been leaked of the Liver King finally admitting. Well, not even admitting. Just like him like talking with a bodybuilding coach about like his steroid stack and his use of human growth hormone and all this other kind of shit. And uh, it's... It's pretty damning. Uh, and also, apparently, Derek from More Plates, More Dates actually had an old email from the Liver King himself requesting, like, bodybuilding coaching, uh, which means basically steroid coaching. Um, 
<laughs> from so, Derek? Yeah, he had he had a video oh, from, or he has a, an email that was buried that he didn't even know he had from this guy. And like, you know, people are going to do what they want to do. I'm, I'm very much a libertarian, you know, live your life the way you want to live it. But uh, the thing that he, he just kept lying about it, like doubling down repeatedly saying that he wasn't using steroids and things like that. And Derek did a really good job of like, he almost made like a full like on documentary about the liver king and, and all the times that he's denied his steroid usage and all this other kind of thing. Um, and it got me thinking, it's like, all right, what if he didn't do that? Where would he be? Right. So him doing steroids, giving himself this freakish body has for sure made him a shit ton of money because it turned him into this incredible like physical specimen that then helped him go viral, you know, on social media and stuff like that. But my wonder here is like, OK, he did that while lying all the time and now he gets caught. And so what's that going to do to his brand? How many people are actually just going to straight up stop buying his stuff? How much how much damage is that going to do to his business bottom line? I imagine it's going to be significant. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think it's probably going to be significant. And so uh, the question is like, well, what if he didn't do that? Okay. Yes, he probably wouldn't have gotten the same sort of viral pop. But I think the whole like liver king modality, you know, that whole like uh, shtick, it still is like complete viral like potential, right? You see a bunch of guys doing stuff like that, like Carnivore Aurelius and uh, Carnivore MD Paul Saladino. Uh, and his is just the most over the top. It was like made for going viral. So if he was yeah. just like not as jacked, I think he still would have been fine. I think he still would have been making a shit ton of money. He wouldn't have so many haters because people are calling him out for lying. Um, and I think that he would have a business that would likely be able to continue to thrive and grow and because people could see him as more serious. It's like It's hard to take a dude seriously when you know blatantly he's lying. And now there's actual proof of it, you know, alleged proof. I don't know. You know, I, I th technically could these emails be doctored and made up. Yeah, for sure. But like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, come on. I think it always pays to uh, to be honest, you know, be upfront with people. You don't need to necessarily share all the truth, but don't just outright repeatedly lie about something at the very heart of your business model. Yeah, you know, and it was it's funny. I feel bad for anybody who uh, fell for his shtick because he has got like the most obvious GH gut I think I've ever seen. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's It's not as bad as some of the bodybuilders. I think he keeps it. He, he's that's he, true but he's he's Those for sure like you know juicy you know there's no there's no way around it yeah. i mean the dude's fucking rippling in his f mid 40s uh with <laughs> slabs of muscle on him like come on man you don't need that like take all that out and like i'm a fan take all that shit out and i'm yeah. a fan i'm not gonna follow what you say because i think it's too extreme i don't want to just eat like deer testicles and sleep on the ground um i believe there is some some value in modern comfort but my god oh man yeah that's funny man i i gotta look into the story more i i was kind of thinking it might be fake because he's done you know he's he's played around with that whole thing before and so i could see him coming out and being like psych you thought you know but i don't know it sounds like it's pretty pretty damning evidence so I mean, who knows? Maybe he's a master marketer and he's like, now it's my transition point where I tell the truth. And then I show people what, what I look like after I come off all the gear. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. So uh, Chester wants to, to come on here. Let's see. Yo, man. You just got on mute. 
Sorry about that. I was muted. Uh, no worries. How you doing, man? Good. I appreciate the space. Um, just wanted to get your your thoughts on on some of the biohacks that you see, you know, making the rounds today. I think it's easy to get in the trap of, you know, if your diet isn't right, if your sleep isn't mm-hmm. perfect, if, if all of these things aren't aligned up, that you're psychologically submitting yourself to not being able to perform and, and you know, fulfill your potential, if you will. So to what extent do you think some of those things are important to have, but some of the psychological um, guardrails, not having those all in place puts on your ability to to actually succeed and and drive towards your mission. Great question, man. I think that's a big like kind of trap today because it makes it like when you get into this like hack mentality, it's like, Oh, I'm going to game shark this shit. I'm going to figure out like the, 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 the optimum combination of all these things. And then only then will I be able to make progress and it'll actually be easy then. Um, but the, the very painful reality is that many of the people who are most crushing it in the world are fucking out of shape and like take terrible care of themselves. <laughs> um, I mean, you look at the people who literally run the world, like none of them could bench their body weight. You know, probably most of them are, con- are constantly like swilling freaking McDonald's. Okay. At the end of the day, the thing that determines your results are whether you're taking the proper actions. That's it, okay? And so, yeah, there's there's some value in the basic stuff. If you want to feel good and you want to keep doing it for an extended period of time, basic fitness, yeah, make sure you're walking, make sure, you know, get some, some muscle in your body, okay? That's going to make you feel a lot better, give you some confidence and stuff like that. But don't trick yourself into thinking that that's actually going to make you successful in other areas of your life. It can help, but that's not the thing. The thing that's going to make you successful, you know, building your business is by like putting in the work and making the right moves, building your business, right? Like the thing that's going to get you like real results with women is, you know, you got to be able to talk to them. You got to have game. You got to learn what that is and you got to do it and you got to do approaches and you're going to have to, you know, probably churn through a number of people before you find someone that, that, that clicks with you. So like this kind of stuff, uh, it's very easy to fall into the trap of it and, uh, I think the, the way you can really sift through it is to look at, all right, what are my biggest goals right now? What do I really want to accomplish the most? And then you want to 80-20 it, figure out, all right, what are what are the those 20, those core percentage activities, those core things that are going to give me the outsized results, you know, that 20% of effort that's going to give me the 80% of the results. And, you know, when you do that, you realize it's not that complicated, it really isn't. There's like basic things in every domain that you will be able to identify very quickly that you need to be doing. And until you are doing those with excellence, it's not, there's not really much point in getting into all the other shit. Like I know, I'm just thinking of people that I know who are like try to get into lifting and things like that. They're like messaging me and being like, oh, well, what pre-workout should I take? Uh, you know, how should I set my macros? Um, you know, is what about this supplement and this supplement and this supplement? And it's like, okay, dude, uh, have you gone to the gym yet? And it's like, no. <laughs> it's like, come on. You, Dan John's got a great saying for this. It's called uh, majoring in the minors. That's what you want to avoid. Mm-hmm. And as long as you avoid that, I think that uh, you're going to be okay. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. I got a follow-up question unless you have someone else. Or yeah, go for it. <clears throat> so I, I only joined about halfway, so I might have missed the beginning bit of this. But you talked about 
eliminating, uh, you know, activities that give you dopamine kicks, right? Mm -hmm. And I think something that is not widely discussed today is the role that social media and, and your phones have in that. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm curious, you know, as someone that obviously, you know, uses Twitter and, and, you know, operates online, you know, how do you, cause I think there's good information out there to get and, you know, to, to understand other people's perspective, but it's so mm-hmm. easy to just get drowned in all of the noise online and not actually live your life and go out and accomplish things. So how do you, how do you find that right balance? If there is one. Sure. It's a great question, too, because like it's definitely something that, you know, if, if I screw up, uh, it's usually in those areas where I will, you know, let myself go down like a rabbit hole uh, at the wrong time, mm-hmm. you know, when I should be fo- focusing on other shit. So I think the biggest thing is, you know, you always got to orient everything to your goals. And so for me, I know that I in order for me to get to where I want to be, there's got to be at least three to four hours of hard, like solo focus where uh, I'm not necessarily like to me, like doing something like this is easy because it's not like I'm going to be caught like scrolling Twitter while I'm live streaming. Right. Like, so, you know, that like that, or, you know, I'm not going to do that when I'm working with a client or on a call with like a, you know, my, my team or something like that. Um, so it's really that time where it's just me and my work that's the stuff that I'm very like dedicated to um, making sure I hit. So like I keep a log, like I measure, like you measure what you want to improve. So it's like I make sure I'm hitting the certain amount of hours of focused work that I want each day. And as long as I'm doing that, like what I'll also do is like if I deviate during a focus block, I will write it down. I will force myself to acknowledge it so that it doesn't just keep happening on autopilot. So I think just measuring your focus time is probably the biggest thing because then after you do that, after you hit the amount that you've deemed appropriate, then go ahead, have fun, enjoy this crazy, awesome, like information laden world that we have, but it's always got to come secondary. And so as long as you, you know, set up your uh, goals uh, to, to support what you want, then I think that that's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good point. I appreciate that. I, uh, I ran into you on one of brute DeForce's spaces and i've loved your content ever since so keep it up uh nice man appreciate it thanks thank you all right so if anyone else wants to, to come on go ahead and drop a request in here would love to, to chat with you but uh let's move on what else we got here pete right on so you know i've been following a, a channel called struthless and recently he posted a video on the importance of environmental optimization i wanted to get your take on it how much influence do you think your environment has over your life? That's one of those questions that I never really bothered to ask myself until one day when I'm a little bit lost and I'm on the self-improvement side of YouTube and I come across Tom Bilyeu, this guy. Of all things, he happens to be talking about Doritos, the dusty orange triangle chip. He was talking about how he used to struggle with addictive eating and how it was one of those habits that he found really hard to break. And then out of nowhere, he just goes, I find it really hard to eat one Dorito and really easy to eat zero. What? <laughs> but he explained himself. He basically said, because if I eat one Dorito, I will eat the rest of the Doritos because I find it really hard to stop. So my solution is to not start. And the way that I do that is that I don't bring Doritos into my house. Oh man. I was embarrassed because I was really attracted to how lazy this was. Instead of using willpower or discipline, 
He just outsourced it all to his environment. He just didn't bring Doritos into the house and then the work was done. What I find out is that this simple little idea is what James Clear calls automating good decisions. This is the idea that if there's something that you want, you set up your space to make it happen automatically. Instead of having to constantly make those decisions, your environment makes them for you. Just like the Doritos, set and forget, you get it. And as for more examples of what this might look like, he did this survey of all of his readers amongst seven different categories and he asked them what their favorite type of automatic environmental decision is. And here's what people said. Nutrition, use smaller plates. Sleep, remove the TV from your bedroom. Productivity, delete games and social media from your phone. Focus, keep your phone in do not disturb mode. Health, buy better shoes to avoid back pain. Finance, call your service providers and ask for a lower rate. Happiness, and yes, this is my favorite of the survey answers. People voted, get a dog. I got two, double happy, yeah. Now, I'm not saying go out and do all of these seven things and your life's gonna be brilliant. What I might recommend though is using these categories for your own space, so answering them in your own way. The point being that these good decisions that we wanna make, we don't have to make them. Our space can make them for us. Yeah, I think that that's like, you know, that's a basic tenet of personal optimization is by optimizing your environment. You know, if you can make it so that it's not even an option to screw up, well then, you know, obviously you're not going to screw up. But I also think that there's um, a way to over rely on this. Like in all the areas you can do this, do it 100%, okay? But you're not always going to be able to. At some point, you do need to have self-control. Like I run into this with guys who are trying to quit porn is they're like, oh, well, I'm just going to have a porn blocker, a super serious porn blocker on all my devices. Well, that can work until you have to, you know, go on a business trip and you are in a hotel that's got, you know, porn you can order on the TV or you get a new device or you find a loophole in the filter. All right. Um, same thing like with, with food and stuff. It's like, okay, well, what are you going to do when someone brings cupcakes to the office? Uh, you know, for, for me personally, like my, my wife's got a, uh, an eating disorder. Um, and, uh, at least, you know, big one from the past primarily. And so it's like, if we were going to remove all like junk food from the house, that'd be a very triggering event for her. Cause it'd be like this restrictive mentality. Um, and plus I got a daughter and it's like, what am I going to say? Like she can't have any candy or whatever. It's like at certain point, like your lifestyle, your circumstances will demand that you are going to be put into spaces of temptation. Okay. And if you can't respond to that, and you, re and you rely on outsourcing everything to your environment, then you actually don't really have much agency. You, you then are, are just a very, very good sheep. <laughs> it's like, as long as there is a pen around you, you can sit inside that pen. Um, but the real question is like, when temptation is in front of you, what can you do then? Because there's always gonna be ways in which you can, you know, choose a less good option. And I think it comes back to what I was talking about earlier. It's like, you got to learn how to submit to your highest conception of goodness. If you want to be dominant in your habits, you want to be dominant in your lifestyle, dominant in what you are going out and doing, then it starts with submission on the internal level to what you believe is most good, even when there is the opportunity to do otherwise. Makes total sense. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, if you just outsource everything, if you go with smaller plates, you you kind of rob yourself of the opportunity of learning how to talk to yourself, you know, with truth and love, basically. I know it sounds corny, but it's, it's the truth. You rob yourself of that opportunity so you can just continue to hate yourself for wanting a bigger plate, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, and like, you know, and some of this, like, it doesn't need to be this black or white thing where it's like, oh, I'm going to use 
internal self-control or I'm going to use external stuff. It's like, you know, you sometimes the best thing to do is to do these environmental techniques, but they always have to be done in conjunction, right? Like in conjunction mm -hmm. with true executive control over who you are and how you want to show up. So as long as you do that, you're going to be fine. But again, this is like one of those things where it sounds so awesome and makes everything so easy, but there's, there's a lot more to the story. Makes total sense. Yeah. Alrighty guys. I wanted to talk about this, uh, this clip that Elliot Hulse put out. This is why he hates Disney. Let's check it out. Movies are all about the young girl or feminine little boy who wants to overcome the father. It's always about parents don't know anything. You should do whatever you want. You're smarter than everybody. Even though you're a lazy, fat, slap dick like that panda. What was that movie? <laughs> Kung Fu Panda? You should be a hero. That's what they're initiating you with. Or that Lego movie. The biggest dummy is the hero. And who's the bad guy? It's always the keeper of order. It's always the keeper of tradition. It's always the father. It's the bad guy. I hate Disney. Disney movies are okay. all about. The yeah, I, I've heard this critique a lot. Um, and I definitely think that there is for sure some issues with it and like how it's probably shaping the the psychology of our generation or our world today. Um, and on some levels, like it's accurate. OK, on some level, like that is an issue. Like Jordan Peterson talks about it all the time. Like, you know, there's like two big polarities. We got chaos, we got order. The big downside of order is that it can become overbearing and tyrannical. Okay. And that's what a lot of these Disney movies hit on, which is a very real thing that happens. Um, and I would also say that the average person, particularly in their developmental process, they are kind of a slap dick. All right. They are kind of unimpressive. Uh, and we all are going to come from that place. No one, well, there are always outliers, but I would say the average guy, he's going to look at himself and he's like, shit, I, I relate more to the Kung Fu Panda than I do to, uh, you know, being some kind of high level apex alpha dude. And they want to know, they, they want stories that tell them that, hey, you can turn things around, you can become better, stronger, or whatever. And usually these stories, they do have some sort of training montage or some sort of challenges that this person has to overcome in order to become stronger and everything. So, like, I don't hate it in the same way that Elliot does, um, but I do think that this trope of, like, the doofus dad that's something mm. that does bother me. Uh, like, you know, Homer Simpson, Peter Griffin, uh, you know, every sitcom pretty much, you know, Ray Romano. It's like whatever sitcom you got, the dad's always an idiot. Okay. No matter what. Um, in all fairness, most of the characters are idiots in those shows. But like even, <laughs> st even stuff like uh, like the Berenstain Bears. Like if you ever read the Berenstain Bears, I'm reading because I got, you know, three and a half year old daughter and, and she likes them. Papa Bear is always a fucking idiot. He's always such a, <laughs> and it's always Mama Bear who's who's right and sensible. And Papa Bear is basically just like another big baby. And so that bothers me because, yeah, like so, in some scenarios, that is the case. I know many families where the father is sort of a big baby. But the problem is like, where are the masculine role models, right? Like, you know, all growing up, I was always told that, uh, you know, women can be whatever they want to be. But men were, I wasn't told that. 
you know, and they're they're pushing back against like this culture of misogyny where, you know, women were held back and everything and there's sexism in the workplace. And, you know, for sure there was, you know, talking to to my mom and my aunts, you know, very capable women like, you know, they've definitely faced sexism in the workplace. Um, and so I get why there's this pushback against it. But the problem is, is like, all right, well, you think that that's not going to affect boys now? You think that's not going to affect the men growing up? And what we're seeing is that it absolutely is. You know, guys are still hooked on video games. They're hooked on porn. They're not taking. They're not interested in becoming more responsible. They're not interested in starting families, leading families, and this kind of thing. And I think in part it's because they're not being equipped to it. They're not being given the appropriate myths of initiation that raise their mind to the idea, like the potential of what they they could become. Um, and when it is done that way, it's always done in a way that seems to be railing against the powerful masculine, okay, or the corrupt masculine. And so I think it's a, it's kind of a nuanced thing, but for sure, the modern guy is not winning out in this scenario right now. Um, and I would argue that that's not going to be good for the world at large because, you know, this is on average, I don't think women want to be the boss bitches calling the shots, being the high powered people. For sure, there are some, but I think most women actually would prefer to have their man be that. Um, and so it's like if you don't equip men, you don't, you know, you tell men they can't, you tell them they got to sit down, shut up, you know, let let everyone else talk. Uh, well, you're going to reap what you sow. And uh, I think a lot of women are reaching middle age uh, significantly unhappy with the, their choices that they have. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a whole big messy thing. But you know, all you can really do is put your head down and and focus on being the kind of guy that you want to be, right? And and finding the the inspiration and the the role models where you can. You know, along those similar lines, you sent me this link of this guy talking about why, uh, this guy talking about why Wakanda Forever was just terrible. That's right. I remember this one. Wakanda Forever was trash. I'm sick of this industry, okay? One black man at a time. They made, how many people played Batman? Val Kilmer. I mean, everybody, Michael Keaton, a million motherfuckers played Batman. They replaced them and replaced them with another man. Superman, the same thing. Spider-Man, the same thing. But you couldn't replace a black man to be Black Panther? No, you had to kill him off. And then make the woman the Black Panther. And make her masculine. Even though she got a pretty face, yeah, but she masculine. And then have a bunch of black women be the warriors. How do you think that make black men feel? It shows the divide that this country have devised against black men and black women. Let's make the black woman masculine. And every time I turn on the TV, you see some black gay dude. This shit is for real. And that movie just further lets me know what their agenda is. It's sickening, man. All these great black actors, male actors, you could have got to play the Black Panther. You can find that. You had to kill him off. Superman got Supergirl. 
Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much the point of it. And it's like, I I I hear what he's saying, and it's uh, interesting because the the heterosexual, like you know me, I'm you know I'm a white dude, and I'm I'm lived in predominantly white areas. Uh, you know, I've had some black friends and stuff like that, and I know black people, but like you know, just looking at it in the culture. Okay, just looking at the culture today of the masculine black man, he's one of the more macho masculine, like, how do we want to say this? It's like, it's like, obviously, it's not all black guys, but like, there is for sure, you know, if you look in hip hop, you look in sports, you've got really strong, solid, masculine, like traditionally masculine black guys. Okay. And I believe that the strong masculine male is one of the most potent forces in society, okay? And you you see that there is such a strong masculine force in the black community and that it is very much, I would say, not celebrated in media, at least not in modern times. Like, you know, and, and I could see, like, if I was this guy, if I was black and I saw this kind of thing, it would just be like ugh, another, like, oh, come on. Are you serious? It's like it's like another one of those things where it's like they're they're making all of the protagonists in video games now. They're all women. And it's like I don't I don't want my hero story to be played out by a woman. And people would say, Well, it's not just for you, it's for women. It's like, okay, fine. But like, can't you do that with new IP? Can't you do that with new intellectual property? Why do you gotta take something that was male dominant and then slap women on it? Okay? Like it doesn't need to be this way. Like you can make things specifically for women. I'm totally fine with that. And people would say, oh, well, this is how it goes in Black Panther. This is actually canon. This is the the way it goes or whatever. But like, and maybe this guy doesn't know that. And um, I don't know if it even really matters because the point still stands is that you, you, as a man, what you need is hero myths. You need hero stories where you see a man overcome odds and become kind of like this archetypal alpha hero. And that, I think, is essential for masculine development. And so when every time that you turn that hero into a woman, that's one less, like, psychological, like, point that you can pull on as a man. And these uh, these Marvel movies, you know, I think a lot of them, like, they're just getting dumb at this point. I'm, I'm really pretty sick of them. But the fact that is that they influ- influence the psychology of millions of people, millions and millions and millions of people. And there's already a ton of great female strong characters in there. So, you know, the the black guy here getting angry at this, I totally get it. <laughs> I totally get it. And people will say it's dumb. Uh, it's like, stop looking to your uh, comic books for your heroes. But it's like, okay, well, where else are we going to look for our heroes? You know, a lot of times we look out in real world society. Who are we going to look at? Our politicians? Are they going to be our heroes? It's like, no. It's like we want these fictionalized characters to, to help us understand what is possible. And so, yes, I get it. Everybody wants their own representation. Cool. Go for it. Make, make your own IP. All right. And the, I think, honestly, the biggest point, his place where his point falls flat is that, like, I guess they really do do this in the comics. Um, but... You could make the argument that they might have done it a little bit too soon. I don't know. It's a uh, it's a bit of a a complex one, in my opinion. What was the last movie with the uh, the purple guy, Thanos? Thanos, yeah, the last Avengers. Yeah, that every movie leading up to that. I mean, they they did such a good job, you know, and it, weaving it together. And I didn't really know 
I don't not super familiar with the you know the comics and stuff, but the way they did that was so good. I left that theater going, yeah, I'm good now. I don't need any more Marvel stuff. Like it's they're not going to top that. You know, I'm glad I did now. I'm glad I made that choice. Yeah, I don't. I'm just I'm completely tuned out now. I think it's uh, a lot of it's just going. It's they're they're trying to make something. Like, you know, more power to them. They're trying to make money, I guess. Um, they're trying to make something that was niche, particularly for young men, which is comic books. That's That was the vast majority of the readers. They had this thing that built up this massive following by uh, appealing to the heroic instinct in young men. And, you know, yes, of course, I'm sure women and stuff enjoyed them. In a small minority, but the reason why this thing became a thing in the first place is because of men wanting to be heroes, okay, and being able to live it out vicariously with these superheroes, and then they take it, they, they do it so well, and then they're like, okay, now we're going to make it for everyone, and so I think in the process, you're for sure going to have issues where the uh, the core audience is uh, is getting pretty frustrated, so... That's what I think has happened here, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. No, no, it doesn't. Alrighty, guys. So <clears throat> I don't really go on Instagram too much, but I had to go on there recently, and and this ad popped up that was frankly hilarious. So you'll have to read the uh, captions for our audio listeners here, Mark. But um, let's check out this ad that I that I got on. Little girl, chat and flirt. Just like a real person, but better. What? Create a virtual girl. Oh my god. So that one actually seems funny. Isn't that hilarious? Should I go to these next ones too? Yeah, check them out. Let's see this. Woman, her. Ladies and gentlemen, her. What? So, yeah, how many followers they got? Okay, they're still small, thank God. But it looks like this is the beginning of the end, my friends. <laughs> this is the thing. Yep. Like this, I've been calling this for years. Where we were heading is there's going to be a divide in masculinity. Where on one side we're going to have guys who are living like you know basically superheroes with unlimited potential because they've learned how to use modern technology to pursue their highest goals, and on the other side where the vast majority of men are going to sit is they're going to be a whole bunch of guys with their dicks plugged into like USB fleshlights with little VR goggles. And they just like hump away at like virtual bullshit like this. And when they're not doing that, they're just playing video games. Like that's, that's where we're going. Okay. And it's terrifying and it's sad. Uh, but for sure, this is what's going to happen. I mean, like really, what is the difference between this and porn? It's not much. It's like, okay, porn's just, virtual sex is just, it's 100% fake it's just non-interactive now they're making it interactive so that you know you got some ai on the other side who's like being you know literally fed massive amounts of de- data to figure out what's going to keep you clicking and spending more and so as technology progresses like as deep fake technology progresses as like haptic feedback as vr and everything like that continues to evolve like right now it looks silly and dumb, but it's going to get pretty realistic. It's going to get to the point where it's like, you're going to be, you're not going to be able to tell that you're talking to an artificial person. You're not, you're going to barely be able to tell that they are pixelated. Uh, and that like, you know, all that kind of shit. It's, 
<sighs> it's it's the end times. <laughs> it's the end Dude. times. And it's like if you want even a shot at getting the life that you want, you got to stay far away from this kind of shit. And you got to stay far away from all the stuff that even is just leading up to this shit. Okay? It's like ground yourself in the real. Real people. Real food. Real actions. Real life stories in your life. If you don't do this, man, you're going to get lost. You're going to get swept away on this sea of digital pleasure. And you're not going to find land anytime soon. It's, it's going to be like a nightmare. And then if you do, you start trying to come out of it, you're going to be like Neo coming out of the Matrix. You're going to be all pasty and atrophied. You're not going to be able to barely freaking walk. And it's just like, then it's going to be this massive slog to try and bring yourself back to functional, back to capable in the real world. And yeah, you can do it and you have to do it. And it can, you know, 100% can do it. You just, you know, why even put yourself in the position to have to climb that hill? Just stay away from this shit. Stay away. <laughs> <laughs> I almost couldn't believe it was real at first. When I first saw it, I was like, is this a real thing? Are people chatting with an AI pretend friend on their phone? And apparently they are. What the hell was it called? Like when back, like when I was a kid and like AIM, like the, AI, you didn't have instant AOL instant messenger, did you? No. That was like well before your time. It was like, that was the big thing is you get online and you just like message all your buddies on your friend list. And there was like this one thing, I'm pretty sure it's called like smarter child. It was like a chat bot where like you could like chat with it. And it would like, you know, pretend like it was a real person. Um, and I remember back then I'm like, this is kind of weird. And like, I kind of had fun with it a little bit and like you try and like trick it and try and get it to say like bad words and shit like that. Um, but <laughs> It's going to get very strange. Uh, and I know so many guys are just going to fall into it because like, oh, I'm just curious. I just want to see what happens. I just, I just, you know, I just want to see what I'm going to do. And then they're going to get hooked on it. And it's going to be like the newest Blade Runner. Do you see the newest Blade Runner? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, trigger warning for anyone who's trying to quit porn. There's a lot of nudity in it. But basically, like, the main character, Ryan Gosling's character, he's, like, married to his AI. And a lot of the movie is pretty much about him like, you know, spoiler alert, he eventually like breaks up with her and he decides to like face life like head on. But it's like emotionally devastating for him to like come to the realization that like, oh, this perfect woman isn't real and I don't want her, uh, even though she's seemingly perfect. Uh, and that's what it is. It's like you got to reject this, this intoxicating fantasy or else it will steal your soul. Yeah, that's, uh, man, the future's going to be interesting, to say the least. <laughs> so, Alrighty, guys. what do we got here? Anything else? Are we? I got I got one more thing I want to, this is an important one, too, I wanted to touch on. So, we got, we've gotten an uh, uh, email from a desperate young woman before. This is a different young woman who is also desperate. Uh, this is a DM that you got. And uh, I'll try to keep it. It was, a, it was a lengthy message. I trimmed it down. I think this will give you an idea of what she's dealing with here. So she says, I'm about to break up with my boyfriend, long distance of four months. We had the best, most loving relationship we ever had. But there were situations where the topic of porn came up a lot. Since then, I feel absolutely betrayed, and I am shocked at how normalized this is, even in relationships. I don't know how often he watches it, but he was saying things like, I'm just being honest, every guy masturbates a lot, etc. So it must have been a lot. I think I made some mistakes in terms of communicating my boundaries and how I feel because I tried to play the quote-unquote cool girlfriend and give him his privacy. But since then, I distanced myself a lot from him until a point where I think I actually lost feelings for him. 
even though I know deep down I do love him still. I don't know why you should read a text from a total stranger, but I'm so desperate right now. What would you do if you were in my shoes? So it sounds like she's pretty conflicted on what what to do moving forward here. Uh, Honestly, I would recommend you send him my stuff because a guy like that, he's going to need some kind of incentive. He's going to need someone to like pop that bubble that this is normal and okay. I mean, like technically, if you're going to just look at it in a law of averages, it is normal. Okay. That is, this is what guys do by and large, they use porn and everything like that. Um, but it's not normal in the sense of like, we weren't, we weren't built for this. We didn't evolve for this kind of shit. Like this is something that is really kind of a, a tragic result of, uh, modern technology. Okay. Like there is so many, uh, it's so much like people and smoking, you know, back at the turn of the century, everybody smoked. You had doctors recommending, you know, the, the, the best cigarette brands and shit like that. And I think that's where we're at with porn is like, we still got so much of the, the main mainstream narrative saying, Oh, unlimited porn and masturbation is totally healthy. So you got to have compassion for this guy because he, like so many other guys, one is told it's healthy. And then two, he's already addicted to it. And he's likely been addicted to it since adolescence and getting unhooked from it is a you know, really, truly pretty challenging. But so it's like, you know, send him my stuff, send him your brain on porn.com, help him look into it. And maybe he'll want to quit, but there's no guarantee. The thing I will recommend is that you do not, um, you do not just put up with it. Like if it's something that deeply affects you, which I think if you're any kind of significantly moral woman, it should deeply affect you. It should be something that you have a problem with because it's, it is fucked up. <laughs> it's just been so normalized. It's just become this thing that guys are so used to doing. It's just like brushing their teeth. All right. And so you got to have some compassion toward him, you know, send him some stuff, see if he can change his mind. But at the end of the day, you might not be able to, and you're not going to be able to force him to do it. And you're also not going to be able to like be his accountability partner and stuff like that. He needs like other guys who are able to help him recognize that one, this is something that he wants to quit. And two can support him through the process because he shouldn't be like accountable to you. You shouldn't be like trying to look over his shoulder or anything like that. But you know, uh, it's, yeah, you, I see later in this message, you say, yeah, I'm, I'm worried. People call me crazy. Tell me I'll stay single for forever. There are guys quitting, you know, this is not all guys are cool with this. And this is a lot of ways like my purpose in like this work is to make sure that there are guys who do hold a higher standard for themselves, for their behavior, for their sexuality. It's like, you know, I think about my daughter. It's like, I don't want to live in a world where there aren't guys who are free from porn. And the only way that's going to exist is if like we create a culture where using porn is fucking ridiculous because it is. And there's got to be more guys who speak up about this, who actually go through the process of quitting it so that we can raise the next generation not to get hooked on this stuff. And otherwise, like, yeah, you are going to be hopeless, but it's, you know, you're not. You got to be, if you're going to be a principled person today, particularly in the realms of sexuality, it's going to be challenging. But it's like, what's, what's the alternative? The alternative is to completely sacrifice your morals, your dignity, and your own sexual agency in a lot of ways. It's like, you know, you have the right to say, yeah, I don't want to be marrying a guy who is constantly like jerking off to other women online. Like that seems to me to be an exceedingly reasonable request. And so I don't know, I'm the kind of person who says, I want to aim for what I want. And I'm going to sacrifice everything I possibly, everything I need to in order to get it. And 
you know, if you're not willing to do that battle, then yeah, you're probably going to have to settle at some point uh, if you can't find one of these guys. But uh, I think if you look, um, you will. And, you know, we're going to keep doing our work to make sure that you can find more and more of those guys. Awesome. Well, Mark, is there anything else we want to mention before uh, we wrap up the show? Well, I just want to say if anyone else wants to pop on, wants, wants to ask me anything, come on live, go ahead and raise your hand here in the, the Twitter space. Love to, to chat with you. Um, but while I'm waiting for that, go ahead and check out the link in my profile or in the description here. Uh, check out my new video. It's a new training. It's free on the three secrets to quitting porn. Uh, we're releasing this in tandem with the launch of our new Reforge Man Gold program for quitting porn, which will give you guaranteed results for quitting. Um, you know, it's our best program to date. It combines like my excellent content that I've already got around quitting porn with higher levels of accountability, interactivity, oversight to make sure that you really go through and do the work necessary to get clean so anything else pete that's it for me do we got any guys who want to come on germanus oh he's got a he got a question here let's see what it is um he says i have a fear with going all in i have a fear of going all in for example i want to start a side hustle but i don't know what sort of challenges lie ahead and i start imagining what could go wrong my brain is good at making up these horrible fail scenarios but has trouble with good ones so i'd rather do nothing Hmm. So this is something that a lot of people with uh, anxiety in general struggle with. And it's also just people who are non-starters. They're really good at looking at, all right, what's the worst case scenario? How could this, how could this feel? How could this go wrong? Okay. And yeah, if that pops up naturally to you, I can totally see why this would lead you flat footed and unable to really, you know, show up and make take progress because if you're giving yourself a negative mental commercial well then you know you're never going to be able to get yourself to do it it's like your your emotional mind is only going to respond to a a positive commercial it's going to say okay well if i can't succeed i'm not going to give you the energy to go do it and so i would just get intentional about this right like get your journal out write down how could this work out what would what would i have to do for it to work out and how how could how would that look what would need to go down? You just need to make sure you balance it out. You just got to look at the full truth. The full truth is that it might not, but it might. And then the reality is whichever one you give your energy to, that increases the chances of that thing happening. So, you know, another way you could frame it too is be like, well, if I don't try, what's likely to happen? If I just continue on the status quo, where does that stand to get me? Well, probably more of the same. And if you're not moving in a very good direction right now, then more of the same is nothing too enticing. And so it's like, you got to be just real all around and then realize that your power is you get to decide what narratives, what paths you add energy to. And wherever you add the energy, that's where you're going to see change. That's where you're going to see, you know, potential results. So that's what I would have to say to that. Anyway, I think we're pretty much done here. All right. Make sure you check out the new three... Three Secrets for Quitting Porn. Check out Reforged Man Gold. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Ooh, yeah. See you all in the next one.